good news. At the beginning of the gospel reading in Luke chapter 4, Jesus says, I have come to bring good news. And did you catch what happened at the end of the story? The people try to kill him. How do they get from good news to get lost, push him on a cl- off a cliff and try to kill him? How do we get from here to there? It seems kind of quick, doesn't it? Clearly, what Jesus said to them wasn't good news. And it started to make me wonder, is Jesus good news to you and to me? Why or, or why not? So that question will kind of lead us through this kind of difficult text and kind of long. Uh, this, that question will kind of drag us through a little bit this morning. Is Jesus good news to you? As Jesus begins his ministry, very early on he goes home to Nazareth. The people that have seen him for the past 30 years live a normal life. And he did then what he always did, and that is go worship God in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so he's doing very normal things, and he stands up to do a scripture reading like Jewish men did, and they handed him the scroll, their, their Bible, their books were separate in scrolls, they, didn't, they weren't bound in books yet, so they hand him Isaiah, much like Jim doing scripture reading this morning, and then he reads the text for the day, which is Isaiah 61, which says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant, and sits down. And then everybody's glued to him. And then often Jewish men at this time in the worship service would give a brief sermon or explanation of it. And so here's Jesus' explanation of that. He says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. You see, Isaiah has a number of songs, poems that everybody thought were messianic. They would be fulfilled by the Messiah when he comes. And Jesus stands there and says, right here, right now, I am fulfilling this for you. These people have waited so long for this. They've waited so long for God to come, and they've prayed and prayed for God to fulfill his promises. So they've prayed and waited and hoped and said, God, where are you? Are you coming? Are you coming to save us? Will you come? Will you answer my prayers? Will you come near to me? Will you fulfill your promises? You see, when baby Jesus was in the temple... Simeon holds him and says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He says that to God. My eyes have seen your salvation. It's Jesus. Here he is. And now as an adult, he stands in front of his hometown people that know him when he was this big and says, it's me. Is Jesus good news to you? Maybe, but it it depends. It depends on a few things. And here it depends on how you look at Isaiah chapter 61. So we're going to go through those phrases and take our time with it. First he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. That's true. We just saw Jesus baptized and the Holy Spirit came and he's anointed and filled. We just saw that. 
He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news to everyone? Not exactly, right? Good news to the poor. So Jesus' message and ministry might not be good news to you. First off, who are the poor? Well, in Jesus' day, there were many who were on the outside of society and ostracized. Yes, those who were economically poor, but not just them. Certainly widows, orphans, sadly even women in general, people who were disabled, people from the wrong ethnic group or wrong city. Many things could make someone poor in Jesus' day. And Jesus says, I have come for you. But what about the people who are rich? What about the in crowd? What about the people who own the businesses, own the land, control the economy, the social elite? If life is good for you, maybe you don't think you need Jesus, so maybe Jesus isn't all that good of news. Then next Jesus says, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I'm guessing in most Uh, People suggest he means unjust prisoners, people who are unjustly mistreated and punished. He says, I have come to give you the freedom that you long for. But what if you're the one in charge? What if you're the one with the power and you are unjust and you are dishonest and you want to keep things that way? If life is good and you don't want anything to change, then maybe Jesus isn't good news. Next, he says, and recovery of sight for the blind. If you are blind or have impaired vision, boy, is 2020 vision a pipe dream, right? You can't imagine how incredible life would be if you could see again or see perfectly again. Yes, this is good news. However, throughout the Old Testament and in the Gospels, blindness and sight are usually metaphors for faith. We are blind when we don't see God. We are blind when we don't listen to God's word and do what he wants. We are blind when we ignore God's will. We are blind when we don't believe God's promises. We are blind when we have hard hearts to God. And if we're hard-hearted and blind, then maybe Jesus isn't that good of news. And then he says, to set the oppressed free. Now, if you're oppressed, this is good news. You want freedom. If you are held down, if you are mistreated, if you are abused, you want freedom. But if you're the one oppressing people, you don't want this. If you are abusing people, you don't want things to change. If you are making money at the expense of other people, you don't want this to change. Life might be good, so you might not want Jesus. And then he finally says, in the last part, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the Old Testament, it talks about the year of Jubilee. In Leviticus chapter 25, if you want to look it up, is where that is. But when God creates the world and gives instruction to, to his people on how to live, how, everything is, how God sets everything up, he sets it up in increments of seven. We know this, right? How many days in a week? Seven, right? Creation story. God creates the world in six days, and then on the seventh day, he 
rests from his work, and he said to his people, six days shall you work, and on the seventh, rest. Sabbath, rest, be with me, worship, and rest. And then God also told his people to work in seven-year cycles. And so six years, work the land, work hard, and then on the seventh year, he told them to give the land Sabbath rest and not plant on the seventh year and store what you have and use what you have and trust that God will provide for you. And so let the ground heal. This is, this is healthy, right, for, for the ground. God knows this. He tells them that. Well, then, there are, so we have seven days, seven years, but seven times seven years, so kind of perfection, seven times seven years, so on the seventh cycle of the seven years, that'd be 49 years then, is a jubilee year. So that means on the 50th year, God gives these special instructions. And he says, don't plant anything, but he also says, free any slaves that you've acquired. All the debts that you have between each other, they're canceled. And then land that has been exchanged or lost or taken is returned to the way God originally distributed it by Moses. So everything kind of goes back uh, to the original gifting of God. So the Jubilee year is a year of grace, of release, of healing, and of forgiveness. So do you understand what Jesus is saying when he stands there and says, I am here to give you your Jubilee year. I am bringing God's favor for you. I will cancel your debts on the cross. I have come to release you from your addictions, from your pain, from your selfishness, from your sin. I have come to bring healing to the land of your soul and your community and your land. And I am fulfilling God's promises to you. Now, this might sound like good news to you, and I hope it does, but what if your life is already good? What if you look at your life and say, you know, I don't really need Jesus. I have a good education. I have a good job. I I earn a good paycheck. I live a good life. I am getting what I deserve. I don't think I really need forgiveness. I'm not sure I need to be liberated from anything. I don't know if I need more freedom. We're Americans after all. I think I can see just fine, and and I certainly don't need to be bothered with helping other people who are poor and needy. Well, then Jesus might not be good news. But you see, there is one thing that will keep you and I out of the kingdom, and that one thing is pride. Pride looks in the mirror and says, I'm good enough. And we might not say it with our mouths, but our hearts kind of say, I'm not sure I need you, Jesus. Pride says, I've earned my life. I don't need anybody else. Pride says, my life's pretty good. I have a nice house, nice cars. My kids are successful. My 401k is up. I've done pretty well. I'm pretty good. And we might not say it with our mouth, but our heart might say, I don't actually really need you, God. Pride says, God, I don't need your forgiveness. I haven't done anything really terrible, just little stuff. Pride says, God, why don't you do something about all those other people? I'm not the problem, they are. Pride says, God, why don't you deal with all those other people that I don't really like? But humble faith says, Jesus, I need release from you. I need forgiveness from you. I need release from my sin. I need release from my selfish struggle, and I trust in you, and yes, I even need release from my own pride. So that question, is Jesus good news to you? That's kind of got us through the first half of the story. Now we've got to look at the second half, because the second half deals with why do they want to kill him? 
think it's really important. Why do they want to kill him? First, is Jesus good news to you? And we have to get to that question then of why do they want to kill him? Well, after he says uh, these words from Isaiah and says, this is fulfilled in your hearing, it says, all, this is verse 22, all spoke well of him, and they're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, and then they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Which means, we know Jesus. It, could this be Jesus? No way. He can't be the Messiah. We know him. We've seen him grow up. He's poor just like us. He's a nobody just like us. He can't be the Messiah. He is just too normal. We know him. No way. And then Jesus says, hey, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, do some miracles here like you did in Capernaum. Show us that you're special and maybe we'll believe in you. And then he goes on to tell these stories about Elijah and Elisha from the Old Testament. First he says, well, no prophet's accepted in his hometown. And then he says, I assure you, there, there were many widows in Elijah's time when there was a famine for three and a half years, but Elijah wasn't sent to any of them, but he was sent to a widow in Zarephath, way off of the, Israeli, off of the ranch, out in Gentile territory in Sidon. And he said, there are also many in Israel with leprosy at the time, Elisha the prophet, yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And then all the people were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town, and they took him to the to Bralva Hill. There's a cliff in, in Nazareth where most people think this happened. And they were going to push him off the cliff, and presumably they would stone him afterwards if he survived that. And then it says, verse 30, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I'm not going to dwell on this, but by the way, this is a miracle story. This is. And it may be the strangest miracle recorded in the Gospels, and you might look over it quickly, but it is a miracle story. They are going to push Jesus off a cliff, and then somehow he just walks through incognito and, and goes on his way. Why would he do a miracle here? Because his time hasn't come. He's not in Jerusalem yet. It's not his time yet. But where we're focusing is, why are they furious? Why do they want to kill Jesus? First, I'd like you to note that Jesus faithfully preached God's word, and they got mad and wanted to kill him. So sometimes, people faithfully preach God's word, and people get mad and sometimes want to kill them. So, just saying... If I ever upset you in a sermon and you get the urge to push me off a cliff, it could be me, yes, that's very true, and I would apologize, but it could be God's word you're mad at also. But why were they furious? Here's why. The Jewish people have felt oppressed by the Romans for many years now, and they've been impressed, oppressed and enslaved for hundreds of years with just a few a uh, few spots where they weren't for a long time. And they know God loves them, has promised them, and said, you are my people and I will save you. But they're waiting, and they're still waiting. And in saving them, they think God is going to come and defeat all of the other armies and enemies that are oppressing them. God will give them a Messiah who will be the new King David who will raise up an army and kick some Roman spear. So they want, a God like, they want God to like them, and in liking them, hate the people they don't like. They want God on their side and only their side. God's on our side and he's going to save us. 
Jewish people against all the Gentiles. So God is going to come save us. He's on our side and not on their side. And then Jesus tells them these two stories of God showing grace to their enemies, the Gentiles. Elijah and this widow, not in Israel, but out in Gentile land in Zarephath. She's a woman, she's a widow, and she's a Gentile that is triple outcasted and poor. And God uses Elijah to show her mercy and grace to her as God feeds her. And then Elisha heals Naaman, another non-Jew. And he's not just any other Gentile, he's the Syrian commander. He's a head of the enemy army. We would want God to smite him, not heal him. So do you see what Jesus is saying? He is telling his people, his friends, his relatives, his hometown, that God has, he's saying, God has sent me to fulfill the scriptures and save you and save the people you hate. Because that's how big God's heart is, and that's how wide his grace extends. Which is why they say, uh, Jesus, are you good news? Which I think is a challenge for us too, right? What about you? Do you want God to show mercy to your enemies? Do you want God to show grace to the person who has wronged you? Not likely, and I'm not sure I do either. Do you want to see the person who really hurt you forgiven and thriving? Do you enjoy seeing grace extended to the person you just can't stand? You see, I think if we're honest, we're like the people in Nazareth. We want God to show us grace and to judge harshly our enemies. We want God to cut us slack and throw the book at people who have hurt us. Or people that we think who are up to no good, and especially people that we think are doing everything wrong. And if that's you at times, as that's me at times, guess what? We are free in Jesus to confess your pride, and God's grace is free to you. So as Jesus says in Isaiah, if you are poor, and if you are broken or oppressed, Jesus came for you. And if life is good, and you feel that pride creep into your heart, repent, and God's grace is yours. Jesus came for you too. Jesus came for you, even if you're not sure this whole Jesus thing sounds like good news. And Jesus came not only for you, but he came for the people you don't like and the people who have wronged you. That's how big God's grace is. You see, instead of showing judgment on you and me when we deserve it and your enemies, God directs all of his judgment on his beloved son who dies to cancel your debts. He dies to forgive you. And so you and I, instead of receiving what we deserve, Jesus dies and you are released from your sin. Your debts are paid by Jesus' blood and you are given all of the favor of the Lord. We certainly don't deserve it, But God is that gracious, and God looks like Jesus. In the Christmas story, when Jesus is born, the angels say to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Jesus is good news, and the offer is for everyone. Amen.